We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, what's up? We are at the conclusion of the player preview series. We are, and today we're talking Rodeons and Torian Prince. Before we get started, though, quick reminder, you can find us on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, Google Play, Dash Radio, and YouTube. Also, head to Design Tree, slash Off the Glass, grab some Brooklyn Buzz tees. But, Jack, we'll start with Torian Prince, who obviously played on the Hawks last season, not with the Nets. Had a solid season, but dealt with a lot of injuries last year. Only played 55 games, started 47, and they brought in a new regime, so they weren't necessarily determined to keep him there. But averaged 13.5 points, 3.6 rebounds, 2.1 assists, 44% from the field, and 39% from three. Some quick thoughts about last year for Torian? Yeah, I think the Hawks loss is the Nets gain. Um, Obviously, 55 games is a relatively small sample size, and I think that health permitting, he is going to have a... A tremendous season you know when I did the we did the season preview for players you know he was one of my breakout guys because I think he just fits the system so perfectly he has a history um, with the Long Island Nets um, with the coaching staff uh, as well in Brooklyn um, but he seasoned last year I think he was valuable for the Hawks but he was sort of one of those sort of empty calorie sort of guys in a lot of ways he has so much potential in a lot of areas his three-point shooting was elite but he did a lot of things that didn't add value to the Hawks' win-loss on a record. He fits perfectly in the modern NBA, uh, but he needs to really improve as a defender because last year he showed glimpses, uh, but not enough to really sort of sustain him uh, as, a def- as a two-way player in today's day and age. Yeah, especially considering what he had already shown in his career last year defensively was not great. He mentioned how the injuries kind of hampered him on that end of the floor, but would you say last year was a success or a disappointment for him in Atlanta? Yeah, I think for me, it was probably more of a disappointment, um, but there were some successful elements. Like if you're looking at the three-point shooting, he had moments where he showed the defensive prowess. You know, he can create his own shot quite well for a guy of his size and caliber and at the wing position. But overall, if we're looking at it, you know, holistically, 
not being healthy enough as well. I think that it's disappointing, uh, just generally speaking. Yeah, I do. I do too. Just because, like, going into last season, there was a lot of talk about him taking another jump, becoming, you know, maybe a fringe type all star player because of what he's shown the first two years in the league. Anytime you deal with an injury, it's just tough. But what are his biggest strengths? Yeah, obviously, three point shooting is the one that sticks out the most for me, Nick. Um, I think he's a good driver, he can create offense for himself. Um, as I mentioned a little bit earlier too, he has all the tools to be a prototypical three and D player. He has good athleticism, you know, good length, all those sort of things. Um, but he has, hasn't put it all together yet. So I think just physical capabilities and his body, uh, are just a general strength. And he's also quite a good free throw shooter, you know, over 80%, uh, generally speaking for the rest for most of his career. Um, so those are the strengths that I sort of picked out. Yeah, pretty much the same thing here. You know, you mentioned a great three-point shooter is what really sticks out. He has the defensive potential because of his athleticism, his body type, his length. And then also, I think he has a solid offensive game. It's not like fully polished. He's not a guy who's elite in terms of anything. But he does some things good where you could see him develop further in those areas. But what would you say is his biggest weaknesses? Yeah, for me, the weakness is that he isn't a good enough defender for a guy that has all the capabilities to do so. So, I mean, in terms of that... It's not really, there isn't that much bridge of a gap between his bad and his good. He can, I think this season for the Brooklyn Nets, we're going to see a consistency on that area of the floor. And you alluded to it, Nick, in terms of the fact that his body wasn't healthy. You know, with the training staff in Brooklyn that we rave about probably more than any other Brooklyn-related podcast, I think he's going to have a real good run at it. He's shown some really nice signs in the preseason. And I think we're going to see some really good defensive moments from him. You know, I mentioned before, you know, he showed some really good defensive moments against Anthony Davis when he was guarding him in the post. There were times where he got sunned a little bit. But for the most part, I thought he was really, really good. And I think as well, he can play well in our zone defense as well when Coach Kenny decides to throw that scheme at some other teams. I think he's going to be an incredibly important player. And I think he's going to have a massive season. And those weaknesses are going to turn into strengths, I think, relatively quickly. Yeah, that's the nice thing about his game is that the weaknesses you do see are correctable. You mentioned uh, the defensive consistency, but I think overall consistency offensively, if you look at a lot of his game logs from last year, there's a lot of games under 10 points and games above 10 points. And some of that is obviously being in and out of the lineup with health. That kind of is just going to hamper you. Obviously, he's not necessarily going to create for others. And I think he could probably be a little bit better rebounder. Yeah, I think all of those things are relatively correctable, like you mentioned, Nick. And I think given health permitting, and I think he's going to be starting for this team, so he's going to be given all the opportunities to turn those you know, weaknesses, per se, into at least average, if not strengths. 100%. And with that said, so we pretty much are looking for him to improve in all these areas. Yeah, I think in terms of all those areas that we sort of touched on, how the team can help him in that, I think is just putting him in, making him and putting the onus on him and, and challenging him to be great. I guess I sort of mentioned that in relation to DeAndre Jordan too, but you know, putting him alongside Joe Harris as well is going to make the, the spacing just absolutely ideal. You know, you can't have everyone guarding Joe Harris, so there's going to be some other guys out there. They're going to have some open threes. Um, and I think challenging him to give him the, the harder defensive assignments, put him on LeBron James, put him on Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, these sort of dudes. You know, Damari Carroll's shown that in the past that he can sort of do it capably for a few minutes here and there. But Torian Prince, you know, has youth on his side. He's the guy that should be able to do it for however long he's out there, 30 minutes a night uh, against some of the, the really good wings in this league. And I think that yeah, I think he'll be challenged too. And I think it isn't going to be easy. But I think he's really motivated to do so. I think he's in a great situation. He's already said that he wants to spend a lot of his time uh, and hopefully the rest of his career in Brooklyn. And obviously being a contract year two, uh, money certainly can motivate a, a player as well. 
Yeah, it definitely will make you turn up your effort level. And I think there was already a quote out where him saying he wants to defend the other team's best player every night or best wing player. So that's the type of thing you want to hear. Obviously, setting him up. You know, he's a great three-point shooter. Get him those open looks, especially in the catch-and-shoot. He's very good. And also, we mentioned his slashing in the past. Obviously, that's more off a of setup. So, like you mentioned, also with Joe Harris, he could really pop off out there. Yeah, for sure. Now, roll on this team next season, starter or bench player. I think we both think he's going to be a starter. Yes, he will. And what is his minutes going to look like? I've got him at 30 minutes a night. <laughs> that's what I got, too. <laughs> yeah. I think he played 30 minutes last season for the Atlanta Hawks, too, when he was out there. And we know Coach Kenny doesn't necessarily like to ride his guys too hard. But I think Prince is going to be one of those guys who's going to be elevated in minutes. He's not going to get Kyrie Irving-level minutes or maybe even Karis LeVert. But I think he's going to be pretty high. I think he'll be top three or top four in, in, in terms of minutes per game for the, for, for the team. A hundred percent. And he also will see, you know, not only minutes at power forward, I'm sure he'll see some minutes at small forward. And I could see nights where he's maybe leads the team in minutes because they just need him in that role. And they don't necessarily have a lot of players of that body type. Yeah, I think Joe Harris led the team in minutes last year with D'Angelo Russell. I think Prince could almost replace him in that sort of regard because he has a lot of the things that Joe Harris has in terms of three-point marksman, but he's a much better defender, at least on potential-wise. And I think he can do a lot of things. He can be out there for defensive purposes in both possessions, whereas you know we could see Joe Harris not necessarily close games when we put guys like Spencer Dimney out there. But Torian Prince is going to be out there for, for both stretches of the game. Yeah, his two-way ability, well, potential two-way ability is something that really pops off. And like we just, I mentioned, and we've talked about a lot in the past, is that power forward depth isn't great. And he's just a guy who seems like he's going to be the best of the bunch. But what do you think his usage will be at next year? I think it'll be about 20%. That's like, I got the same thing. This is weird. Right mind. Right uh, <laughs> Corey and I just had the same TV show on the NBA outlet today, so I don't know what, what's going on. <laughs> uh, what do you got stat prediction-wise? So I've got 14 points, four rebounds, two dimes, 39% from three. Okay, we're pretty close on here. I have 14 points, five rebounds, 2.5 assists, 44% from the field, and 40% from three. I did have 44% from the field, though. <laughs> so, so we're in sync right now. We're ready for the regular season. It's approaching. And we're ready. Um, where will he be at the end of the season? You know, where do you think his game will be at? Like, is he going to be close to a fringe all-star? Is he a guy that's going to get a big contract? Like, what do you think Torian Prince is going to prove to us this year? Yeah, I think one of um, Nets Twitter alum, Matt Brooks, sort of put it, the fact out there that if the Nets are really sort of popping, that they could, he could see an all-star, him or Joe Harris could see an all-star role in a sense of what the Atlanta Hawks so, sort of had, you know, a, a couple of seasons ago in terms of you know, all their role plays were sort of out there. I don't see it happening. For me, it's can he really solidify himself as the next 3 and D guy, you know, Damari Carroll version and earn himself a nice sort of payday, I think. All of that is going to align perfectly. I think by the end of the season, we don't necessarily need him to be an all-star. We need to be a consistent performer. And I think, like you mentioned, Nick, consistency is key. And if he is consistent, he's going to get paid. He's going to solidify himself as a starter. And, you know, be it through the Brooklyn Nets or be it through another team, he plays at the most valuable position, a three of four, a tweener sort of position, which, you know, in the past was probably the, the least valuable position. But he can shoot the three ball. And if he can play defense, then he's going to get paid because it's a, a pretty weak class. And he's going to, I think, Damari Carroll light at this sort of stage. He could even exceed that because he has, I think, a little more athleticism uh, than a guy like Damari Carroll. Maybe I'm overlooking it a little bit, but we saw what happened to Damari Carroll in Toronto. He earned himself a nice payday. And then obviously uh, we earned that salary dump, which worked out nicely for us. But, you know, we could see a similar payday for a guy like Torian Prince. 
and a lot better jump shot than Amari, and that's no disrespect. And it's really just becoming almost an elite 3 and D or just a very good one where the Nets need to retain them to an extent because, hey, you earned a starting spot for next year's team, and we roll out Kyrie, Karras, Prince, KD, and Jared Allen. Then all of a sudden it's like, okay, if this guy really proves a lot this year, he'll have almost a bigger impact on next season too or potentially at the end of the season in the playoffs. Yeah, it's funny because a few years ago we threw that uh, massive contract offer at Otto Porter and now we could be seeing ourselves with sort of like a, a bargain basement version of a guy like Otto Porter who I think gets underrated just because he is on a lofty contract. He does some really good things and he is an elite 3 and D wing or on the verge of being an elite 3 and D wing. Like for those who didn't watch many Chicago games, my brother's a fan, so I was watching quite a few of them. He does some really good things. I think Torian Prince has the potential to get to that sort of range with Otto, Otto Porter. Sort of underrated, sort of well-paid sort of guys that pay at, play at the most valuable position. You know, you could get anywhere from around from $11 million to maybe even somewhere as high as $18 million. Obviously, the price point is going to be something that affects how he his future with the Brooklyn Nets specifically. Um, but I think he plays at such a valuable position, as I've mentioned, you know, ad hoc. Um, he's going to be getting paid, and hopefully he continues his three-point shooting um, consistency and then brings up that defensive value uh, to a really high level. Yeah, and obviously it's a little bit on ownership in Joseph Sai if he wants to put out the money. But you think you've made a move for this guy. You traded two first-round picks to dump Crab and bring him in. You probably do want to retain him. So I would think that that's all match as long as it's nothing, you know, out of this world. And I like the Otto Porter comparison. Porter was really good in Chicago, like you mentioned. Even, you know, expanded his game a little bit and was in the pick and roll a bit. But uh, question for him on the season I got for you. Can he play the four all season? Will his body hold up? Yeah, it's a good point, Nick. I think that it depends on the team matchup. Obviously, if we're coming up against... The Philadelphia 76ers, the Los Angeles Lakers, those sort of teams. He's going to struggle. But he's proven, like I sort of alluded to in the preseason, he played some nice minutes on Anthony Davis. I think there's going to be some times where he's going to have to. Um, but I think at the same time, if you're Coach Kenny, you want to reserve this guy because he's an incredibly important piece. He is our best wing on the roster right now. And that's saying something. Normally, you want to have a really highly capable sort of wing. The other guy probably on it is the guy that we'll be speaking about very soon. I don't think he necessarily can for, you know, I, I think for probably eight. 80%, 70% of the season, you know, he can play at the four position because, like you've sort of mentioned before, Nick, that the league is trending smaller. But there are some teams who aren't necessarily doing that, you know, in the Philadelphia 76ers and some other teams like the Lakers. And their strength is that size, is that sort of burliness, is that bulk. And I think, you know, Toy Prince could get found out against some of those guys. But he's also really, really good on the perimeter. And he can. He has some underrated strength. So I think we'll have to wait and see. It's a question that will probably be answered within the first few weeks once we've sort of seen us come up, come against all 30 teams. But I think it can do it for the most part. Yeah, and I think, you know, against those games, against the bigger opponents, you mentioned, you know, the Sixers, you got the Pistons, the Pacers. You know, maybe he just doesn't play as many minutes in those games. You have Rodion's taking a little bit of that load, especially just banging down low, being undersized. But what question you got on uh, Torian? Yeah, for me, I was sort of saying, can he earn himself? What do you think the contract is that he does earn himself, Nick? It's a great question. I, I'm just really unsure about this upcoming market of free agency. Yeah. And obviously the deadline for the extension, I believe, is the day before the season or Monday or whatever it may be. It's so Tuesday, I don't yeah. Tuesday. So Tuesday I don't time, I think. Yeah. So Monday my time. So uh I don't think the extension's gonna get done. But uh like I said, I'm not really sure what to expect from next year's free agent class, especially with the China thing, because there's been talk about the cap being changed and the teams with money. It's it's hard to really predict. Yeah, with now Pascal Siakam off the market too, that's another sort of free agent 
that was probably be at the top of the list right now. It essentially seems to me Buddy Heels probably at the top of that list um, as a restricted free agent. Jalen Brown, Brown. Brent, Brandon Ingram, these sort of guys. I think Torian Prince is probably in that next sort of tier. And obviously he's restricted, so the Nets do have his rights. And like you sort of said, is Joseph Sy willing to spend that money? It, uh, there's a lot of different factors because when you add Kevin Durant in as well, how much are you willing to pay a backup sort of wing? Well, not necessarily a backup because you think uh, you would probably move Torian Prince to the three and have KD at the four or just have them sort of interchangeable. So I think in that sort of sense, you don't want to be overpaying all these guys because obviously Karis Levert's on a, a, about $17, $18 million per season uh, as well. So it all has to work out. And obviously you've got Joe Harris as well. So there's a lot of uh, balls to juggle for Sean Marks and Joseph side, but I think if he proves himself that he could even take unders because we've sort of seen that already. Karis Levert certainly isn't, um, an $80 million worse player than Pascal Siakam. You know, he would probably got the most improved player award if he had been healthy. But all these things are sort of worked out nicely. So I think the contracting is going to be one thing to watch because we know guys love to have a massive year uh, when they're really wanting to earn that payday. And I think Torian Prince is going to do that uh, specifically. Yeah, it'll be a really interesting thing to keep an eye on, especially with Joe Harris being up too. It's like, do they look to bring both guys back? Do they think they can get away with keeping one or they just go all in money-wise and are like, hey, we have a really good team and maybe we can win multiple championships. So a lot of questions on the contract front, but let's talk some Rodion's. Obviously, he kind of came on the scene last year. It's a second-round pick and surprised us all, including ourselves, who thought he would play most of the season in the G League. He ended up spending all the time with the, the NBA team and played 63 games, 8.5 points per game, a shade under four rebounds, 45% from the field, 31% from three, 78% from the free-throw line. Quick thoughts on Rodion's from last year. Yeah, I think I guess 30 or 40 games. I think we were both around that mark, and we were both happily wrong with that. Um, he provided some of the real energy highlights of the season for the Brooklyn Nets. Whenever he came off the bench or whenever he was starting and he just got the ball, he got a block or he, he was out in transition in, in the open court, you know, he just lifted the team. You know, he got the bench dancing. He was absolutely awesome. So such an, uh, a tremendous season from a second-round pick. Yeah, I mean, there's probably a real argument if Rodion's not on the team last year. They don't make the playoffs because of the role he provided and the skill set he had. He just brought a lot of energy, and his like most known play last year was steal and slam. Like, he would always get in the passing lanes, grab a steal, and get an easy dunk and transition. That's the type of thing you need. Yeah, it, it really lifts the team, and obviously it shows his defensive prowess, and it also shows his control within the open court. I think that's probably when we get to his strengths and weaknesses. It's one thing that I think I've sort of seen from him in the preseason that has gotten a lot better. Uh, but yeah, when he was, it was his patent and played. It was it was the roadie play, if you want to call it that. Yeah. And obviously we both say success because of just being a second-round pick and coming on the scene like this, that's impressive. Yeah, he was probably the, one of the most surprising players for the Nets, if not the most surprising player. It was just out of nowhere. You know, I think a lot of expectations were on Musa being the, the late first rounder. Uh, but then Rody just does his thing because he has this size. He has this intangible nature to him as being a guy who's just quite tall, obviously quite slight, but he could annoy the heck out of guys. We saw Vince Carter uh, him endear himself to Vince Carter in person as well, which is which a bit of fun. And, and the same thing sort of happened with Blake Griffin as well. He was just one of those guys who just did those sort of things and obviously he got the comparison to Andre Kirilenko for me Rody's just his own sort of base and um, I'm hoping 
obviously it's probably not valuable or not worth speaking about the, the court date because if we were doing this maybe tomorrow or the next day, we'd be able to comment on it. Um, but hopefully, we've mentioned it in previous buzzers before, hopefully all that gets sorted out for all parties involved and there's a, a happy uh, resolution for for all the parties from you know from Rody to his ex-girlfriend and hopefully that'll get sorted out so we can talk about the, the stuff that he does on the court. Yeah, 100%. And obviously, he he'll potentially have a really big role on this team and it's going to impact and that's pretty dramatically depending on what happens with that court date. But Jack, biggest strengths of Rody's game? Yeah, for me, it's cutting, his open court play, his speed. Um, he's an annoying defender and just that intangible energy that he provides. Yeah, it's just the aggression and the attacking mentality he has when it comes to cutting or going to the rim or like you even mentioned in transition. Very fearless for a young kid. And just he hasn't played a lot of basketball. It really didn't matter to him last season, just coming into the NBA and really showing up. But what would you say the weaknesses of his game? Yeah, I think because of that aggressive nature, that sort of he doesn't really have an off switch, he can be a little bit reckless when it comes to just that inexperience and youth on his side. Like you sort of mentioned, he barely played in Barcelona. He's a little bit slight. Um, I think he's at points throughout the season, his three-point shooting was good, but at other points, he was just very inconsistent and a little bit reluctant in that nature. And then for a guy who doesn't necessarily have a high usage rate, he could be careless with the ball and, and turn, create turnovers, um, which will obviously leave uh, the team waiting on the other end of the floor. So, But I think a lot of that is just due to the fact that he is a young kid. Um, he hasn't played a lot of basketball, and now he is a, a ready-made sort of NBA player. We should see some of those things that we sort of spoke about probably eradicated from his game to an extent. Yeah, pretty much the same things you got, Jack. Inconsistent shooter, has bad fouls. You know, basketball IQ is rough at times, and I think that's from just a lack of experience. And you mentioned kind of being a little too aggressive. He just tries to do too much sometimes when he doesn't need to. And you also brought up the reluctancy to shoot threes. It was like at points he just didn't want to shoot the ball, and other times he'd be willing to shoot like five threes. So he just needs to get more consistent. He's looked better in preseason in terms of pulling that trigger. Hopefully he keeps that going. But what areas would you like to see him improve? Yeah, I think putting him in alongside the second units, I think if he's coming up against lesser talents and he has quality shooters around him, then I think he's going to be a really dangerous sort of player. And I think you're going to get some, you know, an easy four to six points out of him just because he's coming up against those lesser likes. I think also simplifying the game for him in a lot of ways. Um, and again, going up against those second units, you know, he's a really good rebounder. He's got, he really like snatches them. Like there was times the other night against Toronto where I guess DeAndre Jordan loves to get his, his boards, but Rody would just jump up and snatch it. And then Rody and then DeAndre would just have his hands back. He's like, all right, my dude, you got this one. So I think, uh, um, making it a real point for a focal point to focus on his rebounding, focusing on his three point shot, and sort of making the game simple for him and keeping it sort of you know, nuanced in the sense that you don't need to do all these million, millions of different things. And if you're with that second unit, then he's going to be able to be a really effective player and create a lot of offense and create a lot of points for him and his teammates. Yeah, no, that's a really great point, putting him with the second unit, obviously getting him some shooters. And overall for his game, it's really just a lot of polish. And a lot of the things we mentioned as weaknesses are correctable. And I like the point about rebounding too, because he really attacks the boards and goes up there and gets it. He's a full of energy and that's a great way to use it. Yeah, I think it's a really simple sort of way to do it. Like he really gets up there, he snatches it. And there aren't a lot of guys for the Brooklyn Nets who sort of do that. You know, DeAndre does it. Jared Allen can at times, like um, in terms of his aggressive sort of nature and when we spoke about him on his player preview pod. So uh, I think that's an area in terms of he might be one of our best rebounders just purely off the energy that he brings on that end of the floor. 
Yeah, and you could see an improvement when he was on the second unit last year with Damari Carroll at times. They did a really good job, obviously, with Ed Davis being there, too. Those three really rebounded well. Hopefully, Rody can kind of bring that again this season. But role on the team, we're both thinking bench player. Yes, he is. Yeah, and I, I would say this, too, about Rody. There is a potential maybe for him to start at some point in the season, or he might be the guy that comes in if there's an injury. Oh, yeah, he's probably the, the next man up in terms of makeshift starter. If there is an injury to Joe, maybe not Joe Harris, but at least Toy and Prince because he is a ready-made fill. And he filled in you know, uh, at times for us last season as a rookie at that four position. You don't necessarily, that's not necessarily the best thing in the world to have, uh, but he certainly can start. He's proven that he can start. And in his second season, there's no reason he can't either at times. Yeah. And minute-wise, where you see, think he's going to be at? I've got 21. Okay, I went with uh, 23. I just think, you know, guys will miss games. They might get boosted up a little bit. And I just think he could see some minutes at small ball five, like we mentioned on the team preview. So, I don't know. I think Rody does a good job of earning minutes sometimes because he plays so hard. Yeah, I think that he's a, a coach's wet dream in a lot of aspects in terms of, you know, he just does a lot of stuff. And, I mean, at the, at the same time, when he makes those sort of mistakes, he can be a little bit too eager. He could be I a nightmare too. <laughs> he could be a nightmare at the same time, exactly. But I think in terms of, you know, just basketball IQ, I think experience, like we sort of mentioned, Nick, you know, exceeding our expectations in terms of games on the floor. I think a lot of those things, you know, Coach Kenny already loves him. I think, you know, there are a lot of guys in this team that you know are, are very coachable and i think rodion sort of soaks that up and he's got you know the favorite his favorite player of all time you know on the on the sideline so i'm sure he'll be soaking up some of that knowledge from kevin durant too so um, i'm really excited to see what Rody can bring and you know the minutes wise i think it is a good point because if he does start he could see some extended time there is some depth and you know for lack of a better term for lack of better depth you know rodion's courts is probably our next best wing on the roster which isn't the best thing to say in the world but that could mean some extended minutes for him at certain points yeah, definitely in terms of that power forward position. It's really between him and Torian Prince. Like we mentioned, Wilson Chandler, the suspension, and we're not really knowing what his role is going to be. Brody's going to have the opportunity to earn some minutes out there, but usage-wise, where is he sitting? I'm going 18%. Okay, I went with 17, so pretty much right on spot there. Uh, stat line. Uh, I've got nine points, four rebounds, 1.2 assists, 0.8 steals, at 33% from the three-point line and 46% from the field. Okay, pretty same, uh, pretty close over here too. 10 points, 5 rebounds, 1 assist, 45% from the field, and 34% from 3. I think that 3-point percentage, if you can get that to 33 or 34, might not seem like a lot, but it'll definitely have an impact. Yeah, our average, and the league average is generally around 35, 35-ish, if not 35 and a half. So if he's just under that, then I'd be pretty happy. And we spoke about it with Carol Savert as well. If both of these guys can hit their shots, they're going to be earning those minutes. Yeah, and I think uh, Rody's stroke doesn't look that bad. Like, for a young player, it's not like you're like, oh, God, I don't want him to shoot. It's disgusting. Obviously, he could still use a little work, but I think he could make some progress there. I think he can as well. All right. Uh, big question for Rody this year. What do you got? I'll let you go first. Yeah, I've got a couple here, Nick. So, for me, is can he become a legitimate defender within the mm. NBA circles? Yeah, that's a really good one. I mean, he has a skill set. Obviously, some more weight will help him this season and having a better understanding of the NBA and what he can do. We saw him kind of commit a lot of stupid fouls last year, just like ticky-tacky stuff, or even get some texts for just being annoying. You don't mind the text sometimes, but you don't. You want to cut out those as fouls. You don't want the other team to get in a bonus easily. So I think it'll just be polishing his game because we know he has a skill set similar to Torian Prince, but obviously Prince is a little further along. We just want to see strides. I'm not sure Rody will get there this year, but as long as he can take a step to that. 
yeah, I think he's going to be important on for us on the defensive end because there are so many great wing players in this league. And I think his energy and effort um, is, is enough for him to be at least a credible defender. Yeah, he'll definitely be at least in the top half of defenders on the Nets, if not, you know, probably top five. Yeah, yeah. What else do you got, Jack? Yeah, for, for me, the other one, Nick, is can he turn his energy into production and efficiency? Yeah, that's a great point. Obviously, he's using a lot of energy out there, not always in the most productive way. Um, I think so. I think he'll take strides. And I think a lot really for Rody this year is just getting all that experience last season, not only in the NBA, but just playing more basketball, having more experience with a great coaching staff and great players. Yeah, I think basketball now, so you can't necessarily teach. You know, you can only teach it when you're out there and you learn from your vets, you learn from your assistant coaches, you learn from watching film and another year of that under his belt. You know, I think he's going to become a more effective player. We we know rookies, you know, historically aren't good defenders, aren't good from the field. You know, even a guy like Luka Doncic, I think, had his numbers looked good on paper, but some of the percentages were a little bit less flattering. So for a guy like Rody going into his sophomore season, I think it's going to, you know, fine-tune some areas of his game that I think are going to make him a little more valuable when you come and look at those sort of percentages. What area do you think he'll improve the most this season? It's a good question. Um, I think that the rebounding for me is probably a simple area that I think he will. The area that I wanted to improve the most is obviously the three-point shot, but I think he has such aggression when it comes to getting those boards, you know, offensive and defensive, that I think we're going to see him lead the, not lead the team, but be one of the team leaders in terms of rebounding. So for me, it's an area where I think that um, if you, I'm Coach Kenny, I'm telling him, you know, get those offensive rebounds because he's got the pace to get back on the other end of the floor anyway. So he's not going to get, you know, caught in the wings. If he does, you know, miss one, you know, he's not going to uh, be that far behind because he has such great stride length and such speed for a guy of his size. So for me, the rebounding is one area where I think he will. But I obviously want him to be that 35% three-point shooter that we all think um, he can be and we all want him to be. And if he is, then it, it adds this, this unique element to the, to the Brooklyn Nets team that just makes them incredibly dangerous in the perimeter. Yeah, and just more spacing for players they already have is just kind of ridiculous to think about. And and the interesting thing about Rody, and you mentioned the rebounding, is we saw him go coast-to-coast coast a little bit last year, a little bit out of control at times. If he can kind of polish his handles a little bit and improve in the rebounding area, it could be an area the Nets attack more in transition. It's funny because I know Karis LeVert used to be a lot like that. Your boy, a little bit like Baby Bambi on skates. He would get the ball, he'd be running, he's got so much speed, dude. He, his mind would almost... His feet, his body couldn't catch up to what his mind wanted him to do. And I think Rodion's was a bit like that last year as well. Whereas I think now we sort of know he has more polish, he has more composure, even just from just playing basketball games last season, playing in this preseason against high-quality competition, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and the rest of the Los Angeles Lakers squad. Being up against guys like Kyrie Irving you know, D'Angelo um, and D'Angelo Russell last season. I think all these things are going to bode well for him in terms of just becoming a better player overall. And you mentioned Katie being his favorite player. I think that gives you a little bit maybe more confidence or just somebody you can look to to help you improve your game. Obviously, he's never going to be Kevin Durant, but you can help him in different areas. But Jack, anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? No, I've got all those boys. It, it, it's almost oddly relieving to get this player preview series done because we're days away. We're already trying to plan some basketball games for me, you, and Corey to go to. I'm hoping to get to a few more extra myself. I'm, it's only days away. It, I'm less than a week that I'm going to be in the, the fine land of the United States of America as well. 
Yeah, it's awesome. Obviously, if you see us at the games, feel free to come along and say hi. And, you know, maybe we can grab a drink or something, depending on the time. And hopefully the Nets win all those games we're at. And Jack, like you said, you know, the player preview series is now done. And that's signaling the regular season is about to start. So we're excited. And if you want to check out any of the previous shows, head to iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, Dash Radio, and YouTube. Game Ray Caps incoming. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.